Well, hey everyone, looks like you made it to episode one of No Talking At All. My name is Apeksha and I'm so excited to have you here today. Today's episode is a conversation that I had with my brother and my father about what it means to grow up across cultures during the course of your childhood. Some people call this being a third culture kid, and as you'll soon learn, this is also called being a part of sandwich culture. I'm really excited for you guys to listen, but first, let's get our theme music going. So Papa, Abibe, welcome to the opening episode of No Talking At All. Are you excited to be here? Yes, I am. I also did not realize this was the first episode. Yes, this is what we're <laughs> opening with because um, as I said in episode zero, so I guess this is technically the second episode, but um, this whole show is talking about, you know, kind of the Indian American experience, which mm -hmm. is inherently a mixed one. And I thought it would be good for us to start this conversation or the series of conversations um, by diving into kind of the implications of growing up across cultures. So this is a concept that, I mean, many people refer to as being a third culture kid. And I think especially in the, you know, last 30, 40 years as like travel and multinational corporations became more and more prevalent around the world, more and more kids find themselves in this situation where they've grown up in multiple locations, right? So I think the community is growing larger, but there are still some individuals who have this, I mean, I guess everyone who falls into that category has a set of experiences that are both unique to them and not unique to them. Um, and again, part of the reason of doing this is telling stories, thinking about why they're important and what the implications of those stories are beyond the scope of our own lives. So what the three of us have in common is that our childhoods spanned more than one country, um, which is very interesting, obviously for Abida and me, but I think even more interesting for Papa because it wasn't just two countries and it wasn't just because, you know, someone happened to go somewhere. Um, there was a very, a big sense of intentionality behind going to countries outside of India in your case. So, Papa, I thought you could maybe open us up, just kind of talking about, especially since this was way before of you and I were born, um, what was it like growing up across different countries, and, you know, how did that feel being a part of this community? As you know, my father joined the UN in, uh, I think, 1974, and that's when the whole opportunity happened for us to move out. Uh, and experience different things. So I'll, there were like three or four different kinds of experiences I had. So the very first one was that he was stationed in uh, France for I think five or six months. Um, the beginning of which was an immersion for him to learn French in the city of Lyon. And then it was working uh, in Paris for some time to get uh, essentially onboarded to UNESCO. So it was after his Lyon experience and uh, before he moved out of France that he asked uh, mom, myself, and my elder sister to come visit for a few weeks. 
And so that was my first exposure to different kinds of things. And uh, I was very young at that time. But uh, what I still remember is uh, the various types of food that existed in Paris. Uh, I saw a pizza for the first time. I saw a baguette for the first time. I saw soup for the first time. Uh, and, uh, and then what I also saw was the Indianization that was done. In fact, it was more like Asianization. Uh, because he had friends from Bangladesh and other places and all of us would uh, meet together and, uh, uh, and kind of Indianize this food to have that uh, flavor of our culture but at the same time uh, be able to partake of French cuisine. So to me that was really, really interesting. You know, so this whole concept of third culture is also part of uh, what happens when you are getting acculturated. So the other experience I had in Paris was that it seemed in restaurants it was easier to get wine than you get water, which is not true probably, but that's the impression I got. And I still remember that uh, we had gone to the Eiffel Tower and eating at a restaurant there and it was a pizza and the pizza was a thin crust pizza and I remember my mother not liking it. But uh, at the same time, there was this... Uh, uh, it was cold and my father suggested my mother to try some red wine and uh, and she did and that was the first time she ever had wine right so that's just the exposure part of uh, culture so after that we moved to Indonesia to Jakarta for a couple of years and then to Bangkok Thailand and the overall shaping of my uh, third culture truly began there and uh, it was after that that my father also came up with the concept that uh, he coined which is very similar to third culture he called it sandwich cultures and the fundamental concept behind sandwich cultures is that when you're living in a place which is foreign to you uh, there is the culture of the household, which is pretty much shaped by the adults in the household. Then there is the culture of the host place, which could be a host country, host city, whatever that environment is. And in between that, you as an individual shape your own culture. And, uh, and that is what makes you very unique. And so when we were in Indonesia, that's when the process began for me. Uh, I was the youngest. And I think I was in like first grade or something. Uh, at home we spoke Hindi, uh, but outside I used to mingle with the Bechak drivers and learned colloquial uh, Bhasa Indonesia, which by the way I've forgotten. Uh, but I learned to converse with them. I used to speak with our guard and our maid, and uh, that's how I picked up the language and I, that's how I picked up the culture quite a bit. And it was a very interesting culture, Indonesia, because they used to say our religion is Muslim, but our culture is Hindu. That's what they would say in uh, uh, Indonesia. Because if you look at their various cultural performances, they're all from the Ramayana. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's a very Muslim country. Uh, but we felt very much at home there. It was a beautiful experience. And uh, you know we got to learn how to eat different things. Uh, the food was uh, different. I um, began shaping myself in a particular way mm. and I think that's where also this whole concept of what I call being a chameleon started for me okay. and this is something very common 
amongst third culture kids. The whole concept is that when you live in various uh, different settings, your survival instincts kick in. You try to basically mix with the local culture. You want to assimilate. And as a part of that, you start doing things which are respectful to the local culture. Um, so for me, uh, and I'm going to go back and forth between the time and this thing, but for, for me as an individual, I noticed that after I got married, where when I was speaking to my American friends uh, or when I was in the US, my accent for English was very Americanized. But then when I went to Thailand to visit, my accent would become very Thai. When I came to India, my accent became very Indian. And it was actually Rachita who noticed that. And she was like, wait a minute, why are you talking so funny? It was not a conscious thing. It just happened. Right, you were code switching based off of your surroundings. Based off the surroundings, which is very similar to what a chameleon does, you know, based on surroundings. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, I think that's what makes third culture kids very special because you can actually adjust to a lot of different uh, scenarios fairly easily, which is difficult for somebody to do if you've never experienced any uh, other culture. Right. Um, just recently, I had an interaction with a young lady who I'm working with in Australia. She's of Indian origin and uh, she has family in Gujarat and then in the US and Australia. And she was speaking with a thick Australian accent. And uh, as we started talking, we were sharing our experiences and she said, you know, she had moved to the US for quite some time. And when she was there, her accent was American. And then when she uh, came to India, she lived in India for a year and a half, and her accent became very Indianized. And but when I was talking to her, it was I couldn't differentiate between her and somebody who had just grown up in Australia. Yeah. So uh, she was like, "My goodness, you know, I now realize that this kind of change happens." So uh, very interesting. Uh, now going back to Thailand, once we moved there. There's another aspect of third culture, another aspect of sandwich culture is the food you eat. Like I described in Paris, where there was a little Indianization of the food, uh, same thing for us. So in Thailand, when we were there, we were exposed to more of uh, Western food, uh, Indonesia as well, but Thailand is what I recall because I was a little older. Uh, and of course, Thai food. But the thing is that because of the palates of my parents, we consumed, consumed it in a very Indian manner. So when my father had pizza, he would put all kinds of spices on it and make it very, to use the Hindi term, chakpada. Mm. We were vegetarians, so but we loved having Thai noodles. So we got in touch with a street vendor and most people at that, uh, that time used to eat from street vendors. So we got in touch with a street vendor who used to send us the kwetio, uh, but make it vegetarian so that we were able to consume it and at home we would put certain spices which were very Indianized. So all of these things made life very special and very interesting uh, for all of us. And for me, the way I would behave became uh, shaped by the Thai culture and my home culture. Awesome. So I want to pause here for a second to give Abhita a chance to jump in because I, something I just realized is you moved to Indonesia at around the same age Abhide was when he moved to India. Mm. Um, and I think one kind of, I guess, key difference here is you kind of jumped from country to country. We did one big country jump and then we did a bunch of city jumps. Yeah. Like quite a few, some even backwards to the you know, previous city. Yeah. 
And also, I think it's kind of unique in your situation because you are a person of Indian heritage, right? Mm -hmm. And you moved to India. So it was kind of like you were reconnecting with your roots in a sense, but things that you would had very limited experiences with. So I'm just curious, like, what that experience was like for you and how maybe that became a third culture or sandwich culture experience. Well, honestly, um, when I moved back, I didn't really register it so much in my head. It was just kind of, it wasn't even so much like, oh, this thing is happening. It's kind of like I close my eyes in one bed, wake up, and I'm in a different country. I didn't really register. And, I mean, I was so young then, uh, and I guess my memory isn't so great, but I barely remember many things from when I was super young. At least I have to I have to actively try to remember different aspects of my life. But I do remember being in the US and very strongly identifying ironically as um, well, I don't know, not so much ironically, but identifying as American and being very like fervent about that belief that that's who I was mm -hmm. and that was my cultural identity. Mm -hmm. And I remember believing that at some point early in my years in India as well. And I'm not sure at what point the shift occurred, but towards the end of my schooling, so when I was in around like 11th or 12th grade, um, so I was around 17 or 18, I know for sure that by then I was very firmly like, okay, no, I'm Indian. I don't identify with being American anymore. Interesting. Um, and now having moved back to America for college, I met some kind of weird blend once again, uh, which is where kind of I was for most of my middle years in school, I guess. Which I feel like, for me, I feel like that's kind of the quintessential third culture kid experience, which is struggling really hard to identify what your culture is, what parts of it you identify with, um, and like, you know, how that relates to your family, the place you are, who you are, and who you want to be. And I feel like my journey with that, like I just illustrated, going from one to the other to now some kind of weird in-between, just kind of, well, it's probably not unique, but it's also probably not something that everyone goes through. Because the whole thing about this is that it's so confusing that no one would go through the exact same journey. Hmm. It's really confusing for all of us. Right, right. And like, I remember for me especially, the idea of being in a single school for four years. It was ridiculous, right? It was very strange because <laughs> yeah. I was so used to jumping around and yeah, like you said, that chameleon kind of persona took over um, and it just became an integral part of life. Like it wasn't weird to me that we, obviously it was uncomfortable in certain ways because you have to adjust and you have to say goodbye, hello, but to a certain extent it was not as earth shattering as it might be for someone who has lived in the same house for like 18 years of their life. Mm -hmm. So another thing I'd be that I want to kind of ask you and then I kind of want to you know I guess reflect this back on Papa is you know when we were very little both of our parents and grandparents made it a point to make sure we ate food from a lot of different cultures mm -hmm. and we I think um, compared to a lot of kids I know were very well traveled throughout our lives and yeah. that and not even like within the US or even within India. I feel like all over the place. We kind of had set family destinations and then we just kind of, you know, went wherever. Um, and it was very much um, as explorative for us as it was for our parents. And it was a very, I think, a priority for them that we did those things early. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm curious if that maybe kind of was one of the factors that made the move to India not seem like such a big deal to you because you'd already kind of been back and forth a few times at that point. Um, 
So maybe you had like the sense of Americanism or whatever, but like maybe your sense of home was rooted somewhere else. So can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, 100% I wasn't freaked out by moving to India probably was because, um, well, you know, I've been in and out of planes since I was a baby. I mean, one of uh, my favorite stories that uh, our parents tell is the story of um, when we were, I was two years old and we came back to India to get my head shaved for my mundan, mm -hmm. right? And just and whenever I hear that story, I always think like, oh, God, getting on the plane with a two-year-old kid, that sounds like it sucks. A two-year-old and a five- to six-year-old. And year you, old. yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that definitely uh, couldn't have been easy, but those experiences definitely made it easier for, I feel like, for me to transition back. But more to your point about visiting different countries, because we had been all over and I'd seen all kinds of cultures, I feel like I was just kind of used to um, temporarily acclimating to a certain place. And so when we did move to India, that kind of process I was kind of used to, but my brain had not developed enough to be able to really understand permanence. Yeah. So it wasn't really an issue, I think. Yeah. But I think that helped for sure. Yeah. We'll be right back with the rest of this episode after a very short break. So Papa, I want to throw this back at you. When we moved to India, like when you decided to make that move, I think that was like a time when tech was really coming up in India. So there were a lot of people making those moves with MNCs. So I think as a result, Abhuvan and I encountered a lot of kids very similar to us. Mm -hmm. um, so I was curious if you wanted to talk about that a little bit as well. Before we moved to India, I had had lots of discussions with friends of mine who had made the move. An overwhelming majority of those had actually moved back to the U.S. within a year or two. And so that troubled me quite a bit as to what is it about this thing uh, that makes people move back. And uh, having grown up in an environment uh, where I dealt with these kind of things, there were some things we just I just understood. You know, going back to my childhood, we used to come back to India every couple of years. And uh, it was in the U.N., this thing, it was called Home League. And uh, when we did, I had terrible experiences. I actually loved being back, but, you know, some of the cruelest people in the world can be other kids. And they used to ridicule my mannerisms, my accent, uh, the fact that I didn't know cricket, uh, the fact that I was a much softer, uh, you know, uh, personality than them. Um, all of that was completely ridiculed. And I was overweight and people used to ridicule me about that as well. So all of those things shaped me uh, to be very sensitive to these issues. So when we were deciding to move back to India, these were things I was really concerned about for the two of you. Mm. Because um, you understood Hindi, but you did not speak it fluently. Um, you did not know that much about Indian culture except from Bollywood and whatever we did at home. We tried our best, but you can't. I mean, you're not living in India. So what could we do to alleviate some of that, but at the same time, enable our Indian journey to be a successful one. So we made some conscious decisions. One is that rather than just throwing you guys in cold water, 
we chose to live in a community where there were a lot of other people with a similar background. Right? So there were uh, people working in the tech industry, there were people who had moved from the US, and there were kids who were going through exactly what you guys were going through. And then we chose to put you in an international school which had the same children there. So that way there was this softer landing where you were able to talk to people about common experiences, the same shows, the same this one and that one. Uh, but at the same time you were living in India and slowly you got to understand what all was uh, going on. So I, I truly feel that was the wisest decision we have made uh, to enable the two of you to actually have an amazing experience in this country. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess like on that note, because you brought up this uh, notion of kind of ridicule and kind of feeling othered when you return. And I know Abhide and I, when we would come back, sometimes it was very clear to us the differences, at least in culture and maybe like ability to eat spicy food and, you know, just knowledge of, you know, India with even people in our own family. Um, so there is this sense of othering that happens. So I kind of want to turn that around and talk about, you know, the sense of community that can also come out of being a sandwich culture child or a third culture kid. So you already talked about how, I guess, like these kind of uh, similar, you know, ethnically similar or, you know, geographically similar groups tend to kind of bunch up or, you know, gather um, when they're in unfamiliar territory. Um, but Abhila and I, at least I can, and I know you also, we all went to, um, you know, these schools that were a part of the same circuit. You went to the International School Bangkok. Uh, we went to the American Embassy School in New Delhi, which is where just diplomats, kids, kids whose parents were in MNCs, kids, you know, all these people from different parts of the world who moved even more often than we did. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of friends who joined senior year and they're just like, yeah, we just moved again. And I was like, okay, that's super, <laughs> you're okay. Um, you know, and that became a very safe space. So I know for me, especially like when I was at AES and even when I went to college and there were more kids like that, you know, gravitating towards the same places I wanted to go. It was very uh, humbling and it always felt like not just a safe environment, but a very stimulating environment because we were so used to asking questions about each other's cultures because of the whole chameleon aspect. You want to adapt, you want to learn, you want to become as connected to the people around you as possible. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that also made me gravitate towards Model UN. I've noticed a lot of kids with this background go to Model UN because either their parents are associated with something like that, or they themselves have just been in so many countries that that was the easiest way to kind of, I guess, like express yourself on an international platform. So I'm curious about what kinds of communities you guys have found as a result of your third culture kidness? Well, um, I guess I can speak on this on two fronts, and that's one with, which is identifying with other third culture kids, mm -hmm. right? Which, as Papa said, uh, when we came to India, we were put in the international school, and we lived in a community with kids of uh, well, very similar backgrounds. Um, that was really helpful. Um, and. Maybe if at the time, because well, I was six years old, I didn't realize it. Being able to talk to people who had just gone through the exact same thing that I I did, it was just a nice thing to have to have someone else to identify with, mm -hmm. someone to talk to, someone else to have similar experiences with. Like, oh, okay, uh, do you miss your friends in the U.S. or what do you remember about your time there? Mm -hmm. Because a whole bunch of other kids had moved at the exact same time that that we did 
because well, it's an opportune time to move when a kid's about to enter grade school. Yeah. Um, so having that community and going forward was extremely helpful. And even though we moved from school to school, occasionally you'd come across other students like that, whether in larger or uh, lesser proportion, there were always at least a couple kids like that. Yeah. And eventually when we actually moved back to the first city, we moved to Bangalore, which is where we're at right now, and I got to meet up with some of those kids again, having those connections there was incredibly, um, uh, I'm not sure, I'll say comforting. Okay. Yeah. It was just nice to have that kind of community there of kids who understood mm-hmm. um, and had very similar values. And we were all going through similar struggles. Right. Even though, even if we didn't talk about it, it was just nice knowing that there are other people like that around. Mm-hmm. And the other front I want to speak about this with is, um, well, obviously because third culture kids move around a lot and they have to be able to well, make new friends every couple of years. Um, you're able to relate to other people even if they don't, they're not going through the exact same thing as you. So funny enough, when I got to college, I actually came across very, very few people that had uh, similar experiences to me. Interesting. Most people uh, had like stayed in one place their whole life, at least most of my close friends. They had, had the very experience of living in one town or maybe max two mm-hmm. and having like the same set of friends their whole life. So while we were very different from that perspective, um, just the, the experience of me having to get to know new people allowed me to connect with them and be interested in like whatever they were talking about. And because of that, they, because I was outgoing and very, um, willing to listen to what they were, their experiences and what they were going through, obviously they, uh, reciprocated in kind. So that creates its own community, which is kind of cool. Interesting. What about you, Papa? So, you know... Slightly tangential but relevant to this is uh, when I first went to college in the U.S., I was just 17. I met Indians there. Um, I was not included in that community because I did not grow up in India. Then I met Indians who grew up in the U.S. and I was not included in that community because I didn't grow up in the U.S. So I was kind of stuck. But this gave me an opportunity to be part of regular Americana and allowed me to have an immersive experience there, right? At first, it was kind of jarring. It was difficult for me to uh, figure out how best to do it. But because of my uh, experience being a bit of a chameleon, I was able to adjust. So I stayed in a dorm, which was all Americans. uh, And my accent changed very quickly. Uh, I got to understand various things that make up American culture. And, uh, and I was accepted. What was interesting was I met a lot of kids from other countries uh, who were going through a similar experience. Um, but, you know, they had not grown up the way I had. So they used to share their pain with me, but they were not able to make the same adjustments that I had. For example, I had a very close friend who was a Colombian. And, uh, and he used to share, you know, he was not very happy with the way things are. He was like, I've come for an education. I just want to go back the first opportunity I get. But he didn't even try. Mm-hmm. Right. But for me, you know, I, the first time I saw American football, for example, I was shocked why people are beating each other up <laughs> and uh, trying to, you know, call it a game. Mm-hmm. But after that, I became part and I got to enjoy, uh, you know, that experience. So these are, I think, some of the characteristics that uh, make up the third culture and allows you to adjust in whatever environment you have. 
and honestly it has helped me in my profession because i meet with so many people from so many uh, cities and countries and uh, you know uh, backgrounds uh, that for me to be able to be empathetic uh, to be able to manage uh, the organization in a manner uh, that's respectful and yet at the same time very productive and professional my background is absolutely essential um, and i think that's the one advantage third culture kids have over everybody else right and that's something that i think we should recognize and actually uh, if i can just interject papa actually brings up a point that resonates really strongly with me which is the whole um, and everyone's uh, you guys have both mentioned which is that of accents mm -hmm. which i uh, kind of forgot to mention before but the cool thing about meeting other third culture kids in my school was we were kids in India, we're Indian kids, most of us, who had just moved from the U.S. usually. And so the most, most of us had pretty American accents, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times it was kind of, I mean, not that there was inherent, uh, inherently a lot of people who had uh, grown up in India up until that point saying, oh, well, why is your accent weird? But there was a little bit of uh, distancing that you could feel that definitely lessened over the years as we all got older. Um, but it was it was nice to not have that be sort of like a kind of quizzical look in a person's head. Right, you don't have to explain yourself. Exactly, because we all had a very similar thing. And especially when, uh, well, as we spent more and more time in India, even though our, it, it, was, it was weird, because for most of us, and I'm not sure why this is, it wasn't as if our accents itself became Indian, but we kind of developed two separate accents at the same time. Yeah. Where it'd be, we have our American accent, and then we'd have our uh, Indian accent, right? And occasionally they would blend together, and that was usually, funny enough, when we were at home, right? Because um, that's where we speak the most blend of English and Hindi. But outside, it would usually be one or the other. And I've actually found it very uncomfortable when it wasn't the blend. Mm -hmm. And the only time it'd be the blend was if I was at home or usually if I was talking to other third culture kids mm -hmm. or other people who I just happened to become very close to. Right. You know what I found fascinating about your language experience, Abhilay? You were always shy uh, about talking in Hindi with family members. Yeah. You know, and I can understand why I've gone through the same thing, that people ridicule your accent and you're like, wait a minute, man, you know, I won't do that. Mm. Yeah. Um, but what I found out is you and your friends at school, yeah. third culture kids, would speak to each other in Hindi. Yeah. And I was like, wow, man, this is so interesting. Yeah. Because that comfort level is there, and plus it's kind of cool. Right. Um, so that is, uh, I, I find that uh, super interesting. And, you know, when, you, when we used to travel, I used to tell to you kids, hey, speak in Hindi, because mm -hmm. that's our secret language in a yeah. different country. Yeah. Right. And that, that truly uh, helps. Yeah. My friends used to make fun of me a lot, actually, because um, if I was like in an Uber with my friends and, you know, one of you guys would call, I would speak in English for a second and then I'd suddenly say something in Hindi or I'd be talking in Hindi and then I'd be like, oh, lit. And they're like, who, <laughs> who are you speaking to that mm. they're, you're just like, I can't follow anything you're saying yeah. um, because that's just become like our kind of blended um, way of communicating. But yeah, I think we covered a lot of really important points. Um, but one thing that I think is, you know, on my mind at the end of this is not only have we found places to, you know, practice empathy and find community and 
also like not just I mean you were talking about not having to explain yourself to others but also being a person that others don't have to explain themselves to you know Mm -hmm. like you are the person who is trying to be accepting because you know it's hard to adjust so I like to think of people who exist in these gray areas that we call third culture sandwich culture is kind of like the nodes of like international society like it's kind of our job to use these experiences that we've been so blessed and privileged to have to help connect people from around the world and take it to so take those relationships to the next level, you know. You know, you know, one thing I have to uh, talk about before we end the session is, again, food. So you've gone through this experience and it reminded me of my experience. So when we were living in Thailand, um, I used to love Thai food. I still do. And one of my favorite things would be, you know, having, uh, you know, a khao pad kai and uh, have that with the uh, pik nam pla, which is the chilies and uh, fish sauce. And those are really spicy, mm-hmm. right? And I used to uh, really love them. And my father used to get so irritated with me to the point of getting angry because I did not take spicy food or at least hot spicy food uh, when it came to Indian food because I was mm. just not used to it. Yeah. But Thai food, I would eat <laughs> jellies like anything. And he was like, my goodness, what the heck is wrong with you? Yeah, some mm. masochistic behavior. <laughs> exactly. And likewise, with you, Apeksha, after your year and a half in Thailand, uh, in southern Thailand, which has super hot food, yeah. you know, I think your uh, taste of Thai food is actually at a very high uh, heat level. Yeah. Right. It's come to this weird point where I personally try to avoid spicy food because it gives me a lot of stomach problems. But I like the other day we were eating something and there were full chilies in there and I just bit into one and I was like, oh, and then I just kind of continued and I was like, if I had done that two years ago, I would be crying, wiping yeah. my tongue clean. Um, I didn't even realize that my spice tolerance miraculously has stayed at Southern Thailand levels to this day. So I guess Thailand is refusing to let go of me um, as I am refusing to let go of it. So anyway, this is a very lovely way to start the podcast. I very much appreciate both of your time and thoughts and insights. Um, Would you like to say thank you to our listeners before signing off? Yeah, thank you. Uh, It's kind of fun to talk about this kind of stuff because often in our day-to-day lives, we don't get to, well, we don't make time to talk about this kind of things. So uh, thanks to my sister for making this lovely podcast and um, look forward to the episode about mangoes. It's going to be really cool. And from my side, I'll say merci, terimakasi, kapwen kap, and dhanyavad. He's just a little bit of a show off, but that's okay. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you in the next one. listening everyone no talking at all is produced by yours truly uh, on my home technology setup and our theme music is by kai roberts to check out more work by kai you can check him out on instagram at kai roberts music